That means it means it's time for another episode of the SSL Podcast. Welcome to episode two on channel 11, and I'm here with our uh, one of our graduate assistants here in the School of BCA, Brittany. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing very good. And uh, so I wanted to start, Brittany, by talking a little bit about the different ways that you've helped out with SSL. So you're on the crew, but you don't necessarily do the same thing every time we do a show. That is correct. So can you talk a little bit about the different things that you've done over the course? And actually, how long have you been involved with SSL? Uh, This is my second semester working with SSL. So last semester is when I began. And you came back for more. I did. I came back for more. I enjoy it. (laughs) Okay. So um, you're the graduate assistant for the radio stations we have here in Moore Hall, which are 91.5 The Mountain and 101.1 The Beat. Um, That's your job as a GA. Correct. Uh, You help out with uh, a lot of different things at the radio stations. So you got involved in SSL. And what's the first thing that you did when you got involved? Uh, The first thing that I guess my main role was that has stayed consistent throughout is being the WMHW for the radio stations, the audio engineer. So basically what I am in charge of doing is recording the summit sessions um, tape throughout and then putting it on 91.5 The Mountain directly afterwards. Yeah, and I want to explain why we do that. So summit sessions live goes out live over MHTV and YouTube. But we uh, record it and play it back a little bit later on radio uh, because if someone says naughty words, we don't currently have a way of taking them out in real time. So uh, if someone says something they shouldn't, we have to edit that out physically and then play the show back. And that has happened a couple of times, right? Yes, it has. There's been a few times where there's been like a swear word or so, and we have to take that out. Yes. So our radio stations are uh, traditional over-the-air broadcast stations, which are licensed by the FCC and subject to the same rules as any commercial radio station would be, not to mention other rules uh, that the other guidelines imposed by CMU, um, because the federal government has really only guidelines for profanity and, you know, explicit sexual, sexual talk and things like that. But CMU, uh, I think goes a little bit further in trying to curb things like talk about and anything that might promote drug use or alcohol abuse and things like that. And so we try to curb that stuff as well. It's not a big problem, but uh, if anyone should mention those things, and, you know, we're we're aware of the fact that a lot of the performers we have are really just used to performing in bars where they can talk about that stuff. If you're at a bar, you're going to promote drinking possibly a lot, and we wouldn't want to do that on our airwaves. It's not our thing. And so if someone were to do that, uh, we wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't like, yank them off stage. We would just edit it out for the radio broadcast. TV and YouTube are, are a very different story because our TV station goes out over cable. And remember, cable is subject to a different set of regulations than broadcast. So we don't have to worry about it as much on that end. Uh, but they can, you know, our TV people can edit whatever they want. But on radio, which I'm the advisor for, uh, we adhere to FCC guidelines. And so. We would physically cut that stuff out for the broadcast, which is why it's delayed. So you did that. What else have you done? Um, I don't know if I, I mean another thing to mention too with the 
um, taping and then putting on after, it also allows us to put in our own PSAs during breaks and everything mm-hmm. because they have the video ones, but sometimes just listening to the audio doesn't match up because you can't actually see what's happening in the promotional piece. And so it's nice to be able to go in the breaks and throw in actual radio PSA spots that viewers and listeners can listen to and it makes sense as to what's happening. Right. So the public service announcements, we run those because we don't play commercials, and that's true for both TV and radio. But obviously the TV uh, announcements have visual gags in them that just don't translate to radio. Exactly. So, uh, But we do that live, right? So when you're playing it back live on radio, you're substituting our radio PSAs in real time, right? Yes. Yes, yeah. that is happening. So there's a little trick to that. Um, but... Um, that's the only content that we substitute. So when you're listening on radio, that's the only thing. That's the only thing that will be different. If we haven't edited any language, the only thing that would be different would be those public service announcements. Yep. That's okay. Correct. Anything else that you've done? Um, on top of that, during the actual show, I've had I've worked in two different I guess, job areas. The first thing which I did the majority of last semester was I got asked to be the um, graphics person. So working with the Chiron and doing everything along those lines. Basically what that job entails is pulling up the correct graphic before it is going to go live on the screen that the technical director will put up, um, putting in the number cues in order for that to happen. And they didn't have one at the time last semester, so I kind of stepped in. I learned the software and the um, Chiron board very quickly, and that's what I did last semester. A little bit this semester, I've done that a few times, but I've also done the audio board in the um, TV studio. So that is something that I'm doing, or I did this show, actually, that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. So on this last show, so this podcast is referring to the SSL show that ran last Friday. And the artists that performed on that show were Dr. Emeritus and uh, 97 Baby J. So we had kind of an indie rock band and a hip-hop performer on the last episode. And, you know, just so everyone knows, SSL is not a genre-specific show whatsoever. Uh, We will... Really, all artists are invited to perform. If you'd like to perform, uh, please contact uh, the School of BCA and uh, let somebody know you're interested, and it will get to the right people. Uh, so, Doctor, so before we actually play a little bit of music, we're going to play two songs from each artist. They perform five each on the show. So before we play any music, I just want to set up how this episode came to be, because with a live television show, uh, really anything can happen. A lot of things go wrong. We have to problem solve on the fly. And this time, the problem we had to solve was one of our artists canceled and said, I can't make the show. And it was the band. So usually we do a band in the first half and then a solo artist of some kind in the second half. So our band canceled, and then we had to make a mad scramble for we have to go find another band. Now, it doesn't sound like a hard thing to do in a college town, right? However, you have to consider a couple of things. First of all, a lot of college bars now uh, are more prone to have a DJ than a band. DJs are cheaper, 
and they can play possibly a wider variety of music, more radio hits. Uh, they can play the original hits, whereas bands often play cover songs. Yep. Um, also, uh, so you've got that. You've got more DJs. Because when I was an undergraduate here, there were more places you could see bands around campus. Mm-hmm. Uh, off campus, I mean. Uh, so fewer bands coming through town in general. And also, um, we have to factor in that when we do, when a band agrees to do SSL, they have to come in on a Thursday night for a full-blown rehearsal where we will run through the entire show at least two times, sometimes three if we have problems. So the band has to be here at about 6 o'clock on Thursday, and they have to stay until 9, 9.30 sometimes. Uh, and then they have to show up again on Friday for the actual live show, which means they have to get here again at 6 o'clock for setup. We'll do a uh, sound check. We'll do set up the gear. We'll do sound check. Maybe a song each from uh, from the artists. Make sure everything's cool, and then it's about time to go live. So it's a significant commitment, and we realize that not all bands can make it, which is why we try to schedule them way ahead of time. Um, like our most of our semester was scheduled right at the beginning of the term. We had all of our acts planned out. Um, so when a band cancels, that's what it's, it sounds like, well, what's the big deal? Go get another band. Well, it's not that simple, but for this episode, when our band canceled, we went a week or two without having a replacement. And then I happened to be down at Rubbles, um, just having a drink with a friend and there was a live band. We went there to, to see it was Dr. Emeritus, um, and well, they certainly seemed to, I, watching them, I thought, you know, these guys would be great for Summit Sessions Live. So got their contact info after seeing them at Rubbles and uh, asked them if they'd be interested in doing the show and if they were available for rehearsal. And they said, we'd love to do the show and we can make the rehearsal. It's not a big deal. So um, uh, we paired them up with uh, 97 Baby J. For this episode, and Doctor Emeritus came in, and uh, well, I thought they did a fantastic job. They're a really good band. When I saw them at Rubbles, you know, I could tell that they knew what they were doing. Uh, they played together really well. Uh, it's all original music, uh, which is important for SSL because we don't have rights to broadcast uh, licensed music. So, if you're signed to a major label, your label owns your possibly owns your publishing and we had have to have have to have permission from them, but we deal with uh independent artists who own their music outright completely and we don't have to have permission or pay extra fees. Uh we can just put them on and it's all good. That's why you don't hear cover songs on SSL. We don't have the rights to broad, you know, to uh, reproduce popular licensed music. That's expensive, actually. People don't realize how much that costs. Yeah, it's pretty pricey. Um, so, anyway, with that being said, that's the the major backstory to this episode. We're going to go ahead and play uh, one of the songs that Doctor Emeritus performed, which is called "Roll On," here on the SSL podcast.
Dr. Emeritus on the SSL podcast. Uh, that was a song called Roll On, uh, performed live last Friday. Uh, what was the date of that show, Brittany? Uh, the date of that show, if that was last Friday, was... 15th. Yeah, it was the 15th because uh, St. Patty's Day the 17th was on Sunday. Yeah, that's correct, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're looking, if you want to go look that show up, if you didn't see it, you can go to YouTube and look us up, youtube.com slash Summit Sessions Live, and find the episode with Dr. Emeritus and 97 Baby J. Uh, so as you can tell from listening to that song, it's got a real rock edge to it, but I think the singer of that band is what kind of gives it that indie sound. Yeah, he definitely does. Yeah. Um, I don't remember the names of everybody in the band. I remember Mick, the bass player. Do you remember anyone else in the band? I don't, but if you do go watch it, it does have, and it says all their names and everything along those right. lines. So, And so uh, Dr. Emeritus, I believe, is a locally based band. Uh, they've played at Rubbles many times, and no doubt will be there again, and other clubs in the area. Uh, bands from Michigan are kind of our thing. We try to keep it local. And so uh, through our student-run record label, More Media Records, we try to recruit artists that are from the area, not necessarily just this area, but Michigan in general. Obviously, if we go down to Ohio and Indiana, that's a long trip that is, for yeah. a band just to come up here for rehearsal. Probably have to get a hotel room and the whole thing. But um, in the clubs... Uh, there's actually a lot of, you know, what's great about 
SSL is you see all these bands that you would not hear on the radio. Yeah. They're right. independent. All the music is original. And so uh, you're going to hear music that you're not going to hear anywhere else. Yeah. No, that's correct. And that's kind of one of the unique points of the show that's that works out really well for us. Uh, because literally there's nowhere to hear this music. Uh, there's tons of bands in really any state, let alone Michigan. I just, uh, the closer you get to Detroit for me, it seems that almost everybody you meet used to be in a band. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so I spent a lot of my career working in, uh, radio stations and recording studios and certainly in those circles, literally everybody you meet has been in a band at some point. Yeah. Ever been in ever been in a band? I actually have not, but I have lots of friends that have been in a band before. Yeah, do you play an instrument? Uh growing up I did. I played the trumpet and the French horn. Okay, see so a little musical background. Yeah, just a little bit. Um I was never in a band officially, but I played drums with a friend of mine in high school who played guitar and we just played cover songs. But uh, we did jam in my parents' basement and annoy the neighbors. So I think that counts. Yeah, it was, no, that it was loud. Does. It was very, very loud. <laughs> and uh, playing Ted Nugent, Cat Scratch Fever. Um, I'm sure know. the neighbors loved it. Yeah, sure they did. <laughs> Free performances. <laughs> and it was worth every penny they paid for it. But um, uh, so many people I've met at radio stations and recording studios, people that work in the advertising agency business, like 99% of them have been in a band at some point in their life. And a lot of them, even if they played cover songs most of the time, they still wrote original music. They have songs that they've written, but it's harder to get a gig at a club if you're only playing original music because the club owners think, well, if people want to come out and dance, they're going to dance to the songs they know from the radio mm -hmm. that they're familiar with, that they know that they're going to be able to dance to it or not songs right. that you don't hear over the radio all the time. If they're originals, they're like, well, I don't know how the beat's going to be. I don't know how the musical music's going to go. Maybe not as comfortable dancing to it or something along those lines. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just like uh, you have to look at it like a wedding DJ looks at an evening. If you want to pack the dance floor, there are certain songs you have to play. Yes. They're yes, crowd sir. pleasers. And if you don't, it's just oh, it's so disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why you hear old time rock and roll at every single Michigan wedding you've ever been to. Yep. Um, it, and it packs the dance floor every time. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, you think we'd be tired of it by now, but it's a classic. And so if you're going to play music at a club, you know, and let's face it, club owners want people to dance because it makes them thirsty. Mm-hmm. 100%. So it's important. It's an important part of the culture. Um, so I think it's great that we have a showcase here, like SSL, where people can play original music that's not heard on the radio, that's not heard at weddings. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. No, it's very uh, nice. Because, I mean, one of the complaints, having worked in radio so long, one of the complaints that we hear from listeners is you play the same songs too often. Like, I've heard this song too many times. It was good when it came out, but now I'm sick of it. And I don't want to hear it anymore. Yeah. And you guys are still playing it. Mm -hmm, that's I mean, happened to me quite a few times. Yeah. Well, you get you get those calls over and over again. Um 
that's going to happen. But in order to have listeners, we have to play popular music. And just because you've heard it too many times and you don't like it anymore doesn't mean everyone else feels the same way. So we're going to keep playing it until our research shows us that many people are tired of it and yeah. it's time to retire it for a while. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, that's the process, right? But with SSL, none of these songs are tired. Uh, none of these songs are burned out. None of these artists are played too much on the radio to the point where you're sick of any of it. It's all fresh. So this is actually a music discovery experience. Yeah. And there's not a lot of that left in mass media, is there? Uh, I don't think so. It's hard. It's hard to find, like you said, new original music. I mean, most radio stations do not showcase brand new or independent music. Nope. Uh, because radio stations and other media outlets, for that matter, are furnished music to play by companies like record labels to go. Uh, and they're, they're having that product pushed on them all the time. And a lot of independent bands don't have a mechanism for pushing their music to radio stations and other media outlets because it's actually a fair amount of work and you'd have to pay someone to do that work. And so if you're an indie band, you don't have an army behind you who can do all those things. Uh, that's one of the things that labels do for you if you're signed is they can they have people that go to radio stations or at least call radio stations and pitch your music. They try to get your music heard by people in the media uh, to get it added to playlists. Yeah. You know, and strangely enough, so now people say, oh, you don't need radio anymore because we have the internet. Well, uh, if you look at what people are buying on iTunes, like here's the most popular downloads, it's pretty much the same songs that are charting for radio. Mm hmm. So. The internet hasn't completely changed the game for music. Uh, good songs are good songs. And I think what we've learned from all of this is that radio stations did a pretty good job of picking the best songs from what they were pitched because those same songs are the ones that are charting on the internet as well for downloads. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, it, it's it's been a... It it hasn't flipped everything upside down, really quite the opposite. It's it's reinforced the system that we already had, which was that we have professionals who do research and who also know their business and do a pretty good job of filtering out the bad songs yeah. and mostly just playing the most popular songs, songs that people are really going to like. That's correct. Yep. And so um, most media is still driven by that. And the opportunity for unsigned artists who don't have a machine behind them, uh, the outlets are still pretty limited. Uh, we certainly play some of that music on 91.5, The Mountain, here. Uh, but even, even there, you know, we have some artists that will send us music but we know there's tons of others out there who don't. Yeah. So, uh, and we do play some of the music that we're sent. We, people still send CDs through the mail, believe it or not. They'll send us a CD of their music and they'll say, would you please consider playing us on your station? And if it really fits and if we think our audience would like it, we'll add it. 
Yeah, you no, know, we absolutely will. And sometimes um, through that same system, we'll contact bands to be on Summit Sessions Live. So sometimes it might be like what happened with this show. It's okay. I went to a club and I saw a band and invited them to be on the show because I thought they'd be great. And in other cases, it'll be uh, going through music at the radio station that comes through the mail with these independent artists and then saying, hey, these guys sound great. They might be a good candidate for SSL and we'll just contact them and say, what do you think? Uh, and then through MMR, that's another recruiting arm. So I guess the larger point that I'm trying to make is there's actually a tremendous amount of effort and time that goes into booking bands to be on SSL. Uh, they're, you know, the show's not been around long enough for them to be coming to us where yeah. we're getting mail going, hey, I think my band would be perfect for SSL. What do you think? We're, we have to go hunt for them. And, and literally track them down yeah, and then, you know, ask them to be on the show. And the answer is not always yes. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the answer is yes. And then later on, it's no. <laughs> we have to go find someone else. Just like what happened for this show. This is not the first time this has happened. Uh, last year, I believe, uh, I don't know if you remember this episode, Brittany, we had a band cancel like the day before the show. I think I do. Or the week I of. I do remember that. And we had to go find someone to perform on 24 hours notice. Yeah. Yeah. And we were able to do that because, you know, we had enough connections in the area. Uh, we were lucky enough. We didn't have to, we've never had to cancel an episode of SSL due to a performer cancellation. Thankfully. Yeah. Thankfully. Uh, but it's something that we wrestle with. Uh, so before we get too much further down the road here, let's play another song by Dr. Emeritus. Remember, they play five songs on the show and we pick two and play them back here. Uh, on the podcast. And this next song by Dr. Emeritus is You Got Me Smoking. <laughs>
That's Dr. Emeritus on the SSL podcast. I'm here with uh, Brittany, our GA that works on the show. Brittany, you just brought something up that uh, I think skipped my mind about the timing of the show and how many songs an artist might play. Can you explain that, please? Yeah, so typically um, the format for it is each artist will play five songs. They do play, play three, they go to break, and then they play two more after the break, and then they go into social media questions and everything along that. Well, last Thursday during the show when we were going through rehearsal, the first time we fully ran through it, the show was 10 minutes short, um, even with both artists playing five songs. So what um, we went ahead and did is we asked Dr. Emeritus's band if they had more songs that they could play, and so they actually ended up playing seven songs. They did four songs, break, and then they ended up playing three more songs after that. Right, and that's a good point because uh, we don't know how long the show is going to be until we do it in rehearsal. So the bands send us their songs ahead of time if they have a recording. Uh, and if they don't have a recording, they send us an estimate of how long the song is. So they'll say, okay, three minutes and 45 seconds. And we plan out a show based on those times. But we certainly don't know things like how long the interview segments are going to be because we don't know what their answers are going to be. Exactly. They could be super short or they could be longer, more detailed and explained. Yeah. Uh, and it changes with every band. So every show is different. And once we figure out the time, the running time, then we make adjustments. Sometimes the show's too long and mm -hmm. we have to figure out what we're going to cut. And sometimes it's too short, and we have to figure out what we're going to add. So this time, we had to add a couple of songs, because when you're doing television, we're doing an hour-long television show. Uh, much like any network show, it has to be exactly an hour long. Yep. Uh, we're not going to have 10 minutes of black on our TV station, where there's just nothing there. Um so uh, this is another great experience for our students that I'm sure uh, any sort of a live – look at Saturday Night Live. They've been live forever, and they've got to do a 90-minute show. They can't do an 80-minute show nope. because NBC is not going to go dark for 10 minutes. <laughs> no, they're not. They definitely are not. It's, it's not an option. So when they're doing their rehearsals, if the show runs short – uh, they can add a sketch or two that may have been cut previously mm -hmm. to make up the time. If it runs long, somebody, a sketch gets cut. Uh, someone that may have gotten their sketch accepted originally gets shorted because they can't do a 100-minute a show. No. Nope. You got 90 minutes, that period. That's all you got. That's it. There's no wiggle room in a TV schedule. You can't just run long or short. Because, well, that's how it came out this week. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's a, we ha actually have a person who's dedicated to timing the show. So you know Bree, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Bree times the show. Uh, and she also helps keep us on schedule when we're doing our live show. Because everything that's on the rundown sheet has to happen at a certain time for us to get in and out on time. And so even though uh, we've gone through a rehearsal... The live show doesn't always follow rehearsal exactly. When people are live, they're analog. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not all zeros and ones. So sometimes we get behind or get ahead of schedule and have to make adjustments on the fly. Yep. 
So that's basically, like you said, that's the line director's job. They time everything out. We actually had someone new this week. It was their first time doing line directing. I can't remember her name off the top of my head, but yeah, so that was fun trying to... It's first time on the job of being a line director, and you have to do all these different time cues and all these different math because we were short. So trying to figure out what you're going to add in and everything along those lines. This is why having breaks is important. So we don't play commercials, but those PSAs that we play are important because during those breaks, we can do actually a lot of problem solving if we need to. And usually there's something going on. so uh, for the audience, it's just like, you know, they're just used to having breaks and shows. But when you're doing a live show, good chance that you've got some business to do. Yep. I mean, you're not just sitting around waiting for the show to start again. You're problem solving uh, for something. And timing is often one of the things that's being discussed. Yeah. I would like I was going to say another thing I think we struggled with or that we got lucky with is that Dr. Emeritus had more original songs that they could play. Whereas at the time we were going to do like more songs with him and more songs with 97 Baby J, but 97 Baby J didn't have any other ones prepared to be able to go live with. Whereas Dr. Emeritus had songs prepared that they could add to. So that in itself is something that we got lucky with being able for them to play more. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I guess people might assume that bands always have plenty of material ready to go, but with original material, even though it might be written, it might not be rehearsed for performance yet. Even if you're a solo artist, you still have to rehearse and memorize the songs and get the performance down. Uh, Because for a performer, they don't want to play a song live where there's a chance that they might forget the words. Yep, I wouldn't want to, (laughs) if we're being honest. (laughs) Nope, mm -mm. I need that rehearsal. I think that's every performer's worst nightmare. Yeah. What was the story in the news not that long ago? Some performer forgot the words to a song. I mean, it's happened many times before. You don't hear about it as much, but uh, do you know what I'm talking about? It was in the news not that long ago. I can't remember the artist. Kind of, but I don't really remember. I should. I should remember, but I don't. Nah, well, that's all right. Uh, we didn't have that locked and loaded. Uh, that might... It's, <laughs> It's a kind of an interesting study because, you know, artists, when they perform, they go on tour, they play the same songs over and over and over and over again. And then one night, for a reason no one can explain or understand, you forget the words to one of your popular hit songs. Yep. That would keep me. It's sort of like uh, in radio, DJs all have a common nightmare about being late for a shift because in radio... That's the thing that you never, ever, ever do. If you're a DJ, you don't show up late for your shift. Because radio stations, they also don't go dark. So if you're late, the person on before you has to stay until you get there. Yeah. So they have to work late, and they don't get paid overtime for that. Um, So... You become the worst person ever. You <laughs> that made you do, them. yep. And, and believe it or not, so a, a typical DJ shift used to be four hours long. And people might not understand this, but at the end of four hours, you would be emotionally exhausted, um, sort of mentally tired. I don't, I don't, I don't want to say emotionally exhausted like you were being taunted for four hours, but when you do a show... Uh, 
you know, you're pulling music, you're pulling commercials and putting them away. You're answering the phone. Sometimes you have to run a contest, which means you're answering the phone a lot. You also have to record the winner, edit the winner for playback on the air. Uh, you've got people running in and out of the studio that have business to do. And by the end of four hours, you are really ready to go. And then the next person doesn't show up and yeah. you can't go home or do the rest of your work for the day. Uh, and you have to stay. And if they're like a half an hour late or an hour late, you have to sit there and continue being a DJ until they get there. If you ever do that to someone, they will never, ever forget it. Oh, they, will, they will not. They will talk about you for the rest of their lives because... Um, there are so few stories about DJs that were late for their shifts because it's it's a cardinal sin. You just don't do it. And no. so if you are a person that does it, you will be talked about forever. Remember that one time that one person was late for that one shift? <laughs> yeah, you will owe that person. <laughs> your name will yeah. live on in infamy forever if you're late for your shift. Five minutes, probably not. But 20 minutes, you're going to get talked about. Yep. And you will be the devil <laughs> forever. It's just, and that's why it's a recurring nightmare. Anyway, so uh, Dr. Emeritus was the first half of this show. Uh, definitely a, a rock vibe going on there. Uh, seeing them, uh, seeing them live out in a club, they do some. Um, how would I call it? I don't know. What would you call it? Like sometimes they sound like a jam band. Like they could easily become a jam band if they wanted to yes because uh some of their songs i i don't i don't know if we saw that did you see any end of any indi indication of that on the show last week um not necessarily because the songs were pretty regular length yeah there weren't any 20 minute guitar solos or anything like that it wasn't like the grateful dead no um but the um when i saw them live uh, I did see some longer instrumental jams, and they're pretty good. This is a good band. They're good musicians, so it was. I have I have no problem with that kind of music. I like listening to good musicians play. Doesn't always have to be danceable. I don't really care about that, and I don't always care about the lyrics. I didn't know what the Rolling Stones were saying until their music came out on CD. Like I, whatever it was about vinyl, I don't know. Maybe I just had a bad record player, but I couldn't understand a lot of the words until it came out on CD and everything was clearer Yeah, to me, Yeah, which is why I never understood why vinyl made a comeback because those of us that grew up on vinyl were really happy for the extra sound quality we got from CD because now you can hear all the little stuff in the background. Right, yeah. And some of the background vocals that were buried for years, we could now hear them like, oh my God, this is awesome. And like, you know, who wants to go back to vinyl after sort of having the, uh, having the cover lifted off music by compact disc and digital technology? But now, I don't know, how would you describe the, uh, the comeback of vinyl? Um, I mean, lots of people really enjoy it. I know a few people that have actually gone out and bought like players so that they can play their vinyl on them and um just like it in general. I like I think it's fancy that they have like vinyl record players now that have like you can hook up your Bluetooth speaker and stuff too. So that's interesting. <laughs> like what's the point? Like it's a Bluetooth speaker 
but you're gonna play <laughs> all right that's fine yeah but i mean i haven't necessarily listened really to like the differences as much but i'm curious if it's more of where you can hear it all on a vinyl player now whereas if it, if they like updated and stuff along those lines but i think it's more of like the look of it that a lot of people are really drawn to or the look of having like a giant record and playing that and just as like a keepsake or anything along those lines well that makes sense to me that part of it makes sense to me but uh you know in the in the era of downloads and moreover streaming services what audiences have mostly been saying to the industry is convenience is the most important thing and that i feel like is not convenient vinyl is the least convenient know, way so. to listen to music <laughs> yep. uh you've got this 12 inch vinyl disc which can scratch and break you have to be careful about temperature too much heat or cold uh, can harm the disc. Um, you have to have a record player. You, When you have vinyl, you can't take it with you. Nope. You can't take <laughs> it to the gym with you and listen on the treadmill. You can't take it with you when you're walking your dog. Uh, it's terribly inconvenient. Uh, and the generations that grew up on MP3s and Apple Music and Amazon Music and Spotify and all the rest of it, uh, no matter where they are, their music, all their music is with them in their phone. Yeah, that's correct. So yeah. it's unbelievably convenient. And um, vinyl is the exact opposite of that. And some people will argue and say vinyl sounds better. That I don't quite get. Because having grown up on it, when CD came around, we were thrilled about how much better CD sounded. Yeah. Because I grew up in an era where people uh, spent a lot of time and trouble, went through a lot of stress to buy a good stereo system. The right receiver and amplifier and turntable, cassette machine. Oh, we had to have all the pieces, right? Yeah. And you bought them often as components. Each component was bought separately based on its own attributes. So you put together this dream system. Because listening to your favorite music in the best possible audio quality was very important. Uh, there was a whole group of people called audiophiles. These are people that are just nuts about audio quality. Not just music lovers, but lovers of quality audio entertainment. I don't know if those people exist as much anymore because stereo shops have just about disappeared. Because it's, uh, it's phones and headphones now. Yep. So uh, no matter how much people love their music, the quality of the playback is not as important as it used to be. Now, is that changing? Somewhat. Uh, and it's somewhat changing in that people are more concerned about the quality of the headphones that they use. The earbuds you get from Apple are just not the bomb, right? Right. That's yeah. No, they're not. So people will spend a couple hundred dollars on a pair of Beats headphones, which I don't think are that amazing, uh, but they're way better than earbuds. Yeah. No, they are. But uh, if you're going to spend $200 on a pair of uh, Beats, I mean, there are great headphones you can get for half that price. I would agree with that. The yeah. ones I'm wearing are equally as wonderful <laughs> as Beats, and I think I got them for like 50 bucks. Yeah. Uh, but you got to know how to shop. Yep. That's, tr that, that's just the true. Yeah. Um, so anyway, with SSL, uh, another one of the things I love about it is that it's about 
not just listening to music, but watching a band perform the music live. And that's something that has not at all been replaced by digital technology. I would, yeah. I mean, people, I mean, people still like to go see a band live at a club as well as go to a concert, right? Yeah. And I highly recommend watching this one live on YouTube with Dr. Emeritus. They were awesome. They had, they danced up there. They were, they were a hoot. They were awesome. Yeah. Definitely something you want to see visually. You can tell that they uh, are used to playing together live because they have a great vibe and they, they play off of each other well. Yes. Um, And... You know, it's a. I guess it's a free, free concert. Yeah, it's it's on a smaller scale, but with SSL, you can see performers live doing their thing, and um, that is uh, not as easy to find for indie bands anymore. And um, it is something that people have never stopped loving. Concert tickets get more and more expensive, but people keep paying it because they love that experience. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. They definitely do. All right. So all that being said, um, let's get into the music of 97 Baby J. This first song we're going to hear is called Grateful on the SSL podcast. Really grateful to make it to 21, man. Because a lot of people don't make it to, they don't make it that far off from. You got to be grateful for every moment you're still breathing around here, man. You can take your last one real quick, you feel? Yeah, be grateful. I'm really grateful to be living this life. Really grateful to hit 21 and still be alive. Really grateful to be blessed with this gift. Because you don't know about the grind and all the stuff that I did. Look, I'm really grateful to be living this life. Really grateful to hit 21 and still be alive. Really grateful to be blessed with this gift Cause you don't know about the grind and all the stuff that I did First off, thank God that I made it to 21 And I still stayed authentic and always kept it a hunt I could tell my mom and pops really proud of their only son I really put in the work, it been going hard from the jump I've been working day to day, I ain't never taking a break like it's August of 88 I've been getting to the chicken and staying out of the way And when I get my first million, I'm moving out of the state Look, I need a mansion, a mozzie, and a garage I do my part of the work and I leave the rest up to God Think your favorite rapper cut when it's really all of a side If you say you finna rob me, I dare him to try 30 long as a rail Before I seen the W, went through a thousand L's I know you ain't built for this life Cause I can tell how you sending death threats And none of y'all can't even spell Look, I'm really grateful to be living this life Really grateful to hit 21 and still be alive Really grateful to be blessed with this gift Cause you don't know about the grind and all the stuff that I did Look, I'm really grateful to be living this life Really grateful to hit 21 and still be alive Really grateful to be blessed with this gift Cause you don't know about the grind and all the stuff that I did Let's get it, let's get it Be grateful man for every, every day you alive Every breath you take, be grateful I know a lot of people didn't even make it that far Yeah Look, you be chasing followers, I'm trying to make my wallet fat Team going crazy in the streets with they wildin' 
Used to play my song for people, they said I was trash. Now they yeah at every single show, screaming out my raps. Yeah, I love chilling with you. Can you help a younger stack? If I go broke, is you gonna try to find another man? Right before this rap game, we ain't know how to act. Wouldn't even put it on the paper if it wasn't fact. Tired of nine to five, cause it's boring. Need a new whip that's pulling off in the forges. I was paid off, no need for paying the mortgage. Every single night is just another performance. I don't do drama, I do my best to. If it gotta happen, I guarantee it get gory. Whole team ballin', we goin' hard every quarter. Get a camera crew and tell them come to record it. Where the real ones at? And ain't too many left, too many of them dead. When got hectic, too many people left. When we hit a situation, way too many of them fled. Ain't got too many friends, cause too many of them fed. Every struggle that I go through, I gotta hold my head. Cause I know it's the Lord giving me another test. They don't wanna see me win, they rather see me meet my death. But I keep shining on them, bout to add them boys to press. Got the watch on the dresser right next to the chain. Black Cartier sticks next to the brain. Woo, sitting next to the chain Cause I know they wanna touch me But they way too afraid To the ones hating Watch me flex in your face If you wanna stop me Gotta put me in the grave Reason why they don't feel it And passion in my voice And the pain in my lyrics Keep on killing Shout out Papa on the beat Shout out my city Detroit versus everybody People don't know about the party. Ninety seven Baby J with Grateful. Uh, what grabs me about this song is the first two lines where he talks about, uh, he says, I'm really grateful to make it to 21 because a lot of people where I come from don't make it that far. Yeah. Uh, he's from Detroit, right? Yes. So certainly uh, there are neighborhoods, certain areas of Detroit where I guess you don't expect to make it to 21. No, that's, yeah, it's hard, but I mean, that's how it is around there. Now I grew up uh, as a as a small kid. I, my my family's from Detroit. My parents grew up in Detroit. Went to high school and got married in Detroit. Uh, I went to elementary school in Detroit, and uh, that was during the riots um, in the late '60s. And I was too young to think. I wonder if I'm going to make it to 21. But yeah. I guess it's become uh, a reality. And so for some people, uh, you know, I think there was a uh, I'm trying to remember uh, Gangster Paradise. That was in that song. There's a lyric that says um, something about I'm 23. Will I make it to 24? I don't know. Oh, yeah. So um, I think this is a, a hip hop has certainly been a subject of a lot of controversy. Uh, some people saying it's, you know, it's overly violent and misogynistic and with a lot of negative messaging and other people defending it saying, well, these artists are just writing about their true life experience. Yeah, they are. And so for some people, I guess we we neglect to think about this very much, but for some people. Um, they very much expect to probably die in their 20s. Yeah, which is hard. And I mean, I think that's definitely something that has been a 
occurring. I think hopefully as the future progresses, that's something that dies down, especially in Detroit, because there's so many new and upcoming things for that city itself. And it's just like being like reborn in a way and like lots of good is coming to it. But at the same time, there's still that fear that of what was, is it still going to be there? Am I still going to fear that I'm not going to make it past 20? Everything along that. Yeah, well, Detroit is changing, uh, but not the whole city at the same time. Exactly, yeah. There's still a lot of... Uh, Areas that are safe. Yeah, very dangerous neighborhoods. Uh, there's still a lot of crime in many places. And um, many people have said it's going to take a full generation for Detroit to flip over. Uh, we see a lot of stuff happening downtown. The Red Wings complex uh, and... The tech sector, the tech corridor that uh, Dan Gilbert's building down there, uh, these things are amazing. They're bringing business. Uh, young people are moving to downtown Detroit for the first time. There are actually waiting lists for housing in some of the most desirable areas downtown. Yeah. That's been unheard of in the last 50, 60 years. Uh, but it's happening. But the neighborhoods outside of downtown that sprawl for a long long distance, um, they're not seeing benefits from those changes yet. No, they're not. And there aren't enough jobs down there being created yet to affect those neighborhoods. It's definitely going to take some time. Like yeah. you said, probably like a whole generation, just baby steps. That's kind of where it's going. Absolutely. So um, it, it's very sad to think that this is someone's life experience to say, wow, I'm really grateful to make it to 21 years old. I wasn't sure I was going to get there. Yeah. So in a way, these are really grim messages, but also, you know, very real messages. But it's just a reality that most of us don't have to think about. Um, I suppose that it's so extreme that it makes this story attractive to some people. Um, because people who live in these environments really are kind of living on the edge, I guess I would say. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. So um, hip-hop depicts a life that is, I guess, not the typical American life. Uh, certainly not songs about the American dream, yeah. I don't think. Yeah. Um, but, uh, uh, but a reality that, that deserves to be heard nonetheless. Uh, and so let's get into another song by 97 Baby J. This is called Late Nights on West Warren. Hey. Hey. Let me catch you right quick. Hey. They told me if I was in a rap to do that ish. And they told me nobody wanna hear that boom bap ish. Ask about the skiing team, they know who that is. I wasn't popular in high school, just a cool little kid. But I'm that dude now, trying to get my family some food now. Walking to the club, the women drew now. Too dang ill, got me feeling like the new Nas. You don't see the grind, little homie, you need some new eyes. 
They ain't open up the door, so I crept inside. I got too much talent for me not to be recognized. Don't care who getting money, just as long as I'm getting mine. Don't care who making mo, just as long you don't mess with mine. I'm from Exit 8, got some hitters on Exit 9. If they ever end up coming for you, don't act surprised. Went to Captain J's, got some catfish and some fries. You don't know what I'm talking about, little homie, so never mind. Told mama that I'm out. And I be home late, and she ain't really care as long as I made her home safe. I never ate off people when it got me my own plate. Forget a little portion when it got me the whole steak. Detroit is my city, Michigan is my home state. And I should guess never coming here for your own sake. Grew up in a cold place where they blow out your brains. Don't care about what you got, forget you and that gold chain. Hey. Late nights on West Warren. West Warren. I ain't even come back to the next morning. Next morning. Spent them late nights on West Warren. West Warren. I ain't even come back to the next to the next morning. All them late nights on West Warren. West Warren. I ain't even come back to the next morning. To the next morning. Remember late nights on West Warren. West Warren. I ain't West even Warren. come back to the next morning. Hey. Shout out to Be Young. Detroit forever, man. Detroit versus everybody. 97 Baby J here on the uh, SSL podcast. Um, Detroit versus everybody. That's kind of interesting because it is a really hot selling line of clothing. Oh, yeah, it is. On it. Uh, but at the same time, uh, actually, <laughs> actually, for the first time in as long as I can remember, um, the rest of the country is pulling for Detroit. A lot of people want to see Detroit succeed. There's been, a, I think, an unprecedented uh, number of celebrities that have been hanging around. Uh, Madonna looked at donating money, I think, for the first time uh, in a long time. She's more from Rochester, but, um, you know, Madonna's got more money than, well, anybody, I think. <laughs> yeah. uh, and yet she didn't really own Michigan as her home so much and didn't come back here and make a lot of appearances. Um, uh, whereas other people, I'm trying to think of uh, uh, one of the Key and Peel guys, right? Yeah. Uh, is it Jordan? I, is Peel, was it Peel from here? Or That's a really good question. Key. I, don't I think know. it might, uh, Keegan Michael Key. It might be him. He comes back frequently. Yeah. I think performs here with comedy and also just comes back to hang out. Uh, since he's from here, he's got family here. Um, I'm trying to think of other celebrities who have jumped on the Detroit bandwagon. Um, Can you think of any? Not off the top of my head. That's like one area of expertise that I am not good at. Uh, film director Sam Raimi is from Royal Oak, uh, and when he was working on the great and powerful Oz movie, um, they did uh, some of that work in the Royal Oak area. Hmm. Uh, he was happy to bring work back home to the Detroit area when he could, you know. Yeah. Um, but just to follow up, uh, Keegan Michael Key is from Southfield, Michigan. That's the one. Southfield, that's yep. it. Yeah. Uh, so he comes back a lot. Uh, Kid Rock has actually done a lot for the city of Detroit. He lives in Clarkston, where he's got actually a, a studio in his house where he produces music for himself and other people. But he's been a big supporter of the city of Detroit. 
Dan Gilbert, obviously, also I think originally from Southfield, mm-hmm. um, has made millions, if not billions, in Detroit and has given back to the city Yep, in many ways. He's bought, he owns over 60 buildings downtown now, I think. Oh, wow. And he keeps buying more. Hey, that's he's, awesome. He's, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of other celebrities that people might know that are either from here or now come here who maybe didn't before because they're, they're kind of having a new love affair with Detroit. Can't think, of, can't think of more off the top of my head. Yeah, I can't either. Okay, well, I think anyway. we touched upon the big ones. Yeah, so um, a 97 Baby J is obviously, uh, he's written songs about a reality that he knows about the Detroit area, but it's, uh, um, and it is very much a reality for many people, uh, yet we see a lot of change to the contrary in isolated areas. So um, hopefully one day, People will have no choice but to write positive songs about the Detroit area because yeah. that's what real life will be like. Um, but uh, that's a little ways off. So, um, 97 Baby J, uh, I'm trying to think of how we got connected with him. If that was through the Justice League? I believe so, yes. Yeah, it was through the Justice League. So. The Justice League is a uh, hip-hop, they're an organization here on the campus of CMU that gets together and discusses hip-hop music and hip-hop culture. I've actually gone to one or two of their meetings uh, because some people from the Justice League work at the radio stations that I work with every day. So um, they invited me to a meeting and I went down there just to hear the discussions. And they have really great discussions about music and I've always loved arguments about music. Uh, I remember arguing with my roommates about who the greatest rock and roll band of all time was. We could go for hours. Yeah, know. I believe uh, that. It's an easy argument to get started uh, because everybody thinks their favorite band is the greatest band of all time. Mm-hmm. And they have, you know, their side of why they believe it. So it's interesting to hear their Yeah, take. They can, and they, they can always, they always have an argument. So um, we would have these arguments about the greatest rock and roll band of all time. And the Beatles were rarely mentioned. Really? Yeah. Because none of us were old enough to have grown up on the Beatles. Okay, that makes sense. You know, we grew up, uh, you know, if you're from Michigan and you were a kid in the 70s, you grew up on rock. Uh, Detroit had five rock and roll radio stations. Oh, wow. Five. That is a lot. I so, mean, that's a, it's, yeah, that's awesome, though. It was all over the radio dial. Detroit's always been a rock and roll city. That's why it was considered heavily for the location for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It was a logical, it would have been a very logical place to put it. Um, uh, but so, you know, Led Zeppelin and The Who and The Stones and Springsteen. Uh, you know, name any number of bands. Those were uh, all over the radio dial in Detroit. That's what we grew up on. And, of course, Detroit had also a few unique things because um, I knew from growing up, growing up in that area that Rush is a huge Detroit band, so much so that they opened, they were the first concert in Joe Louis Arena. Oh, wow. 
that's kind of a big honor yeah, in, no, in Detroit. That is. Um, and so Rush being a Canadian band, you know, in a lot of other cities, they don't necessarily care that much. But in Detroit, Rush is a big deal. Yeah. For sure. Uh, but also other bands, uh, Kiss was an enormous deal in Detroit. Thus the the song Detroit Rock City. Um, Kiss killed when they came to came to that town. Um, and then, of course, you have some natives. You have Ted Nugent. You have Alice Cooper, who grew up around Detroit, but then took off. He lives in Arizona now and plays a lot of golf, but he counts as a local artist. Yeah. Uh, Kid Rock, of course, Eminem, naturally. Madonna, as I mentioned, she's from the area, but never really owned it. But clearly, her concerts sell out. Yeah. Well, they sell no, out everywhere. Yeah, but, they do. Uh, um, she wasn't one of those artists that people got excited about in Detroit. They, yeah. But she, like you said, she still sold out. She's still a huge deal uh, all over the world. But, but I think uh, the hype about it. Kid Rock owns his Michigan and Detroit experience. Yeah, it's part of like his image, I would definitely say. Yeah. Same with Eminem. They're both very, their image of being in Michigan and especially Detroit are very well known and popular with them. Yeah, like Bob Seger owned it. Yep. You know, um, even Aretha Franklin owned it uh, back in the day. You know, she did most of her recording in Detroit. Yeah. You know, uh, Bob Seger did some of his recording in Detroit, but he also did some stuff in Nashville. You know, he didn't keep it all local. Eminem just went ahead and built a studio here. Kid Rock built a studio nearby. Um, they might do stuff in New York and L.A. or even Nashville, but they can also do stuff at home if they want to because they own the studio. Yep. Um, more recent sensation, Greta Van Fleet. Uh, they've been recording in Detroit. They record at the studio that got it all started with Kid Rock, which is Rust Belt Studios. Oh, so, very cool. Uh, Al Sutton, who owns Rust Belt, worked with Kid Rock and worked on those early Kid Rock records that made him famous. Um, and Greta Van Fleet, with their undeniably Led Zeppelin sound, yeah. has been recording there <laughs> as well. Um, so they've been keeping it local. Even though they're from Frankenmuth. Right? Yeah, it's still. Yeah. Uh, I don't think there are any good recording studios in Frankenmuth. I don't think so. I don't think so. If either. I had to guess, I'm going to say no to that one. Frankenmuth is all about the fried chicken and beer for some reason. And Bronner's, you know. And Bronner's. Christmas yeah. galore. Christmas, <laughs> Christmas, beer, and fried chicken. <laughs> Perfect combination. Three things that should never really be related <laughs> at all. Oh, but, that's great. Um, yeah, I've been to. Have you ever been to Oktoberfest in Frankenmuth? No, I have not, but I've been wanting to. It's as close to Germany as you can get. Awesome. It's as close to the German experience, <laughs> I think, as you can get. Certainly, the Oompa music is authentic, to say the least. Uh, but I guess that's all over Michigan if you want to hear um, anything that sounds like a polka. Yeah. This is probably the best state to find it. Um,. I don't know if that's just the Hamtramck factor. Yeah, that might have something to do with it. Uh, but obviously there's always been a sizable Polish community with traditional music. Um, Cleveland, I think, also has a fair amount of that. Yeah. And that movie, there was a movie made about that guy, the King of Polka. Uh, he was actually from Pennsylvania. 
And I didn't know there was a polka scene in Pennsylvania, but obviously there is. I had no idea until this moment. Oh, boy, somebody, it was somebody that you would recognize, uh, a famous actor who played that kind of scammy, sort of scammy King of Polka from Pennsylvania. It was on Netflix. I think the movie might have been called The King of Polka. Uh, or perhaps I'm confused, but uh, I watched, I know I watched it on Netflix. I don't know if it was a Netflix original. Yeah. But there was a recognizable actor that played the main polka dude. Um. So, oh, Jack Black. There you go, Jack yep, Black. Jack Black. That was the one. And it is a um, comedy that came out in 2017. And what was the name of it? It is the Polka King. The Polka King. Okay, so I had it slightly backwards. Yeah, you know, just switch the words a little bit. Got it right. <laughs> polka King, King of Polka. What's the diff? Yeah. Uh, and we've yet to have a polka band on SSL, but when we had, um, what's the gypsy band we had on? Oh, I don't remember their name, but I know who you're talking about. Uh, they've got Kava Sababa. Yeah. So those people from the School of Music, it's like a, it's like a, a gypsy band based on the concept of Menudo. The members keep changing, but the band the band will be here forever yep. uh, because it's it's almost become a school of music tradition now. And uh, the cool thing about Kava Sabava is uh, not only the traditional gypsy music that they, uh, that they play, but also the fact that they are eternal because the, the members keep getting renewed. Uh, one more thing. And that is, is that they're a very mobile band. Yeah. So um, they often walk around campus and play. Uh, the number of members also varies. So they can bring different permutations of the band depending on the setup. So for our show, we said, look, we have a limited stage. It's not a huge stage, so you can't bring 19 people. Yeah. But, you know, maybe you could bring nine and they're like, all right, we'll bring nine. And they find a way to work with it. it yeah. It sounds great. So they pick which instruments they're going to bring, and uh, they make it work for whatever situation they're going to play. It's pretty cool. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, I, think it's, I think it's an awesome tradition that they've got going there in the School of Music. And uh, we have not repeated any artists yet on SSL. There might be one exception. I want to say City Folk. Have they been on or, more than once? There was one. I can't think of who they were, but they switched up a few of their... Ian Armstrong, I think, oh, we repeated who, once. There was someone... Oh, who? there was one. But they got rid of... Or they have multiple people, and so one of them wasn't there, but then they had a different lead singer, so it was a little different. And I can't think of who it was. It was just this semester. Oh, I, I can't think of who yeah, it is off the top of my head. you lost me on that one. Okay. Uh, anyway, we should probably wrap up here uh, after this week's show. I uh, just wanted to mention a couple of things. So this last show featured Dr. Emeritus and also 97 Baby J, uh, both artists that we found here in this very area around CMU. Uh, if, um, if you would like to, if you, if you know of a band or you're in a band that you think might be a good match for Summit Sessions Live, uh, contact the School of BCA. Or um, uh, 
you could maybe contact us through social networking. Our Twitter account is at summit underscore sessions. Uh, you can find us through Facebook with the School of BCA at CMU. And, of course, check us out. Uh, if you want to see the show, past episodes, as well as this current episode, you can find us on YouTube.com slash Summit Sessions Live. Um, and you can catch the show live on MHTV, YouTube Live, and also uh, tape delayed on Mountain 91.5 right here on campus, a student-run student, student run radio station. Uh, and this entire show is put on by a crew of students who volunteer their Thursday and Friday nights to bring you live, original music. I think that's pretty cool. Uh, Brittany, thanks for being here with me this week. You're welcome. Talking it's about been great. SSL, which is kind of, a, um, kind of a passion for so many of us. Yeah. Uh, we've dedicated a lot of our time to this show to make it work. It has so many moving parts, and it is difficult to put on. I hope people can appreciate that when they watch. Uh, that's why I wanted to do the podcast. wanted people to appreciate uh, sort of the the backstory that goes into a lot of these shows and sometimes the mad scrambling that we have to do to make it happen. Yeah. Uh, but our students do it because they love working on it. It's great experience uh, for what's coming later in their lives working in the media. Um, but it's also a labor of love. Uh, it's a lot of work and it's a lot of responsibility, but it's also a ton of fun. And having worked in the media a long time myself, uh, that's how I found jobs in the media to be mostly. They're very hard work, sometimes very long hours, very demanding with a lot of pressure, but also very rewarding and a lot of fun which is, I, I think, why a lot of people choose to work in the media. Not because it's easy, because it ain't. Yeah. It's not easy It's by any stretch. Not. It's very stressful. It can be high pressure at times. Sometimes it's high pressure all the time. Um, but it's so rewarding to work in a creative field uh, where you can even be close to this kind of talent, work with some amazing people that will just blow your mind, um, just to be around it and to be in the thick of it and to actually help make it happen for a huge audience is a pretty amazing experience. Uh, that's what our students are studying to do, and this is sort of a, uh, a flash of what their future might look like. Yeah, you know, working definitely. On, on, on a program like this. So, uh, Brittany, thank you for being here, and audience, thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next time on the Summit Sessions Live podcast.